الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الذين قالوا ربنا الله ثم استقاموا تتنزل عليهم الملائكه الا تخافوا ولا تحزنوا الا تخافوا ولا تحزنوا وابشروا بالجنه التي كنتم توعدون صدق الله العظيم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters life is something that in urdu it is called jaan and on a literal note they say that life in urdu is called jaan because jaan jaan means jana something that has to go jaan jaane ke liye hai this life in this world is to go it's just a passing phase it's a transit lounge it's like somebody sitting at the airport and no matter how comfortable that airport may be how exciting things around may be but the person sitting at the airport has got his eye on the notice board on the announcements the board that is there the electronic board whatever it is he's got his eye on that he's got his ears very very attentive to whatever announcements are being made the certain flight is to depart in a few minutes time or whatever the case is so a person at the airport is not there to stay there he is there to move on so likewise this dunya this life this jaan ek din jana hai duniya se one day we will have to go from this world and this jaan and this life will also leave us then there'll be a new life in the qabr and in the akhirat so when this is the reality that we are going to certainly leave this dunya one day and move on so what is very important is to spend the time in this dunya correctly to spend the time in a way that makes our akhirat to grab the opportunities to make the akhirat sometimes there are big opportunities that come our way but a person loses out on these opportunities there are many many things that come our way in terms of opportunities for example now out of sheer necessity we had to pass through the bazaar the marketplace while traveling and coming to madrasa or whatever it was we had to pass by some place that is a business area so now that is an opportunity to recite the fourth kalima la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulku wa lahul hamd yuhyi wa yumit biyadihi al khair wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir and in the hadith sharif there are tremendous rewards a million rewards mentioned for the person who recites 
this tasbih while passing through the business area. Now you're just passing there. In that vehicle you're passing, you might have had the chance to recite it few times. Now that was an opportunity. But a person who is conscious, a person who is alert, a person who has his eye on the board, that very soon will be the time to take off and to leave this transit lounge. So whatever I can gather, I must gather quickly. So now people go to the duty-free shops at airports, for whatever the reasons are, sometimes it will be half the price outside, but because the word states duty-free, so they pay double duty inside and duty-free outside, but they paid more for it in the duty-free shop than what they would have got it elsewhere. But it's just now, whatever it is worth, nevertheless, be that as it may, the point is that the person now wants to take the maximum quickly. Whatever I can take, I must take and go. So likewise, this opportunity comes while a person is passing through the business area to recite this tasbih a few times. But when a person doesn't have his eye on the board, he feels, well, I still got long time here. He doesn't bother. I got a long time. I'll do this some other time. I'll make up for it later. Next year I'll do it. Okay, not next year, maybe next month. Maybe not next month, maybe next week. That same old story about in some shops they have that board, cash today, credit tomorrow. So anything that is credit and that credit will be tomorrow. So now tomorrow will go, tomorrow we'll see the same board there. Cash today, credit tomorrow. So that till Qiyamah won't come. So likewise, we procrastinate in these amal as well. Next year, next month, next week. So that next week becomes next week again. And that next month becomes next month again. And next year becomes many years later. And sometimes that time never comes. Continues like that next week and next week. And before we know it, we are no more in dunya. So a person who's got the eye on the board, person who is conscious I will have to leave someday, sometime, some moment, and it could just be suddenly. It could be now. It could be just now. While we all have hope, and we make dua for everybody, that Allah Ta'ala give everyone long life, but the reality is, and we should think deeply about this right now, as we are talking, as we are listening, the reality is, that there is a chance, there is a possibility, that we may never leave the madrasa alive. The possibility is there. It has happened in some places. So when this is the reality, that we have no guarantee for the next moment, we have to take advantage of all the opportunities. And sometimes, there are some major opportunities knock on our door, and we just let it bypass us. There's one incident of one family who was a Sayyid family, meaning they were the descendants of Rasulullah wasallam. Now, they were living in Afghanistan and there was a severe drought. As a result of this drought, things became very difficult and it so happened in the midst of all this drought, the father of this family, the husband, the father, he passed away. Now the severe drought famine, poverty, 
and now there's no man in the house. So this young woman with these children, she was from the Sayyid family, and uh, with her little children, what does she do? So she took these children and she left Afghanistan. And she came all the way to Samarkand. Now it's a long distance, long travel. In any case, she came to Samarkand and then she left the children at some masjid there, somebody's care, and then went to the house of the governor or to the court of the governor. And she said, look, this is my condition. I have traveled in great difficulty all the way from Afghanistan and I am in the family of Sayyids. We are descendants of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa So, please, can you help me? So this governor was a good person, but at that time he said, where's your proof that you are a descendant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He said, I have come from so far away from Afghanistan. Nobody knows me here. How am I going to present proof? It's not the time. At that time, there was no communication like we have these days. Okay, we'll contact somebody there and they'll send a WhatsApp message and they'll tell you what's happening. All those things didn't happen in that time. So, that's why they were free from so many fitnas. Numerous fitnas they were free from. Because they didn't have all this modern technology. The modern technology, on the one hand, has a lot of benefits in it, but the harms are far outweighing the benefits. And person wants to know what's happening. Before he knows what's happening, he is caught up in that web. That world wide web, www. He's caught up in that web like a fly in the spider's web. And before a person knows it, that spider of shaitan has already now captured him. How many people say that they just were just playing around, they were just uh, idly going and looking at some sites and before they knew it, Allah forbid what not they finished off in. People almost lost their iman. People lost their haya. So, <clears throat> this person now asked her that where is your proof? Where is your proof that you are from a Sayyid family? That you are the descendant of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi So she said, I am coming from all the way from Afghanistan, such a far off place. And nobody knows me here. How am I going to produce proof now? So he said, well look here, every other person comes and they make the same claim. Every other person comes and says they are descendants from the Bishrasun family and must help them. If you can't produce the proof, please move away from here. Just get away from here. Now she left from there very, very disappointed, very heartbroken because she is now in this desperate situation. So when she came out, somebody said to her that there is this one person who is a fire worshipper. He is a Majusi. But he is very generous. So why don't you go to him and just put forward your need and see what happens. In any case, she went. This person, she put forward the same request in the same manner. I am a descendant from the family of Nabi Sallallahu I am a descendant from Nabi Sallallahu part of his family. Unfortunately, these are the circumstances we are in. And I have travelled all the way from Afghanistan with my little children. Please, so he made a lot of ikram of this family with great respect. He had them brought to his house and in a separate place, had them stationed there 
entertain them well for that day. Later that night, now all this happened in the course of the day. That night, this governor went to sleep, the governor of Samarkand, and in a dream, he sees that he is standing in Jannat, Nabi Salaam is standing there, and there is a magnificent, a very huge, a very beautiful, something beyond description, a great palace there. So, Nabi Salaam is standing there in Jannat alongside this palace. So this governor asks Nabi Sallallahu that whose palace is this? So Nabi Sallallahu replies and says, now this is in the dream, and these dreams have a lot of meaning. Person who sees Nabi Sallallahu in a dream, in the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned, that man ra'ani fil manami faqad ra'ani, fa inna shaitana la yatamathalu bi. Nabi Sallallahu says that the person who sees me in a dream, then in reality he has seen me. Because shaitan cannot adopt my appearance. It is not something that's a trick of shaitan. The person now is thinking he's seeing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but na'uzubillah, it's something else. No. If he's seen Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a dream, then that's a reality. The dream is a reality. Not that there is something that he can now change in terms of deen on the basis of the dream. That's a different subject altogether. But he's seeing a true dream. Now the issue would be an interpretation. Dreams require an interpretation. So in any case, this person asks Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that whose palace is this? So Nabi Sallallahu says that this palace is of a mu'min, a believer. So he replies that I am also a believer. He says, I am also a believer. You are saying this palace is a palace of a mu'min. So I am also a believer. So Nabi Sallallahu asks him, where is your proof? Prove that you are a believer. Now he suddenly turned pale. And then Nabi Islam is scolding him and reprimanding him that my daughter came to you in very, very difficult circumstances and you are asking her for proof. So go and bring your proof and come now also. And in this way he was being reprimanded in the dream and then eventually his eyes opened. And when his eyes opened, he was totally soaked in perspiration as a result of this shock and this reprimand that he received in the dream. And he was totally bewildered. So in any case, in the dream he was given the indication also that it is this, that fire worshipper. This is the reference to him, this is his palace. And he's being referred to as a believer. So when he woke up, he was number one shocked and in this very terrible state, totally uh, afraid and soaked in perspiration, he woke up and went straight to the house of this person who was a fire worshipper. And he said to him, please, I've come to fetch that family that is staying with you. So that person, he said to him, listen, Allah Ta'ala blessed me with this bounty of taking care of this family. There is no way that I am ever going to pass this family on to you. So he said, look, they are Muslims. I am a Muslim. Pass this family on to me. I will look after them. He said, no, no, listen to me. I am also a Muslim now. I have accepted Iman. And then he said to him, that last night what dream you saw, I also saw the dream. But just that you saw the dream where you were standing on the outside. 
you were standing on the outside and Nabi Salaam was standing there and he was reprimanding you. I was standing on the inside of that palace and I was listening to the entire conversation from inside and while you were being reprimanded, I was being given great ni'mats and bounties inside. So I also saw the dream. You also saw the dream, I saw the dream. You were getting reprimanded outside and I was getting rewarded inside. And ever since I woke up from that dream, I have accepted Iman also. I am also a believer. So therefore there is no way I am going to part with this family and let you now take care of them. This is my ni'mat, my bounty. Allah Ta'ala has blessed me with this. Now this is the lesson that on the one side this governor first had the opportunity. They came knocking at his door. But he let the opportunity go. Now this is a very sensitive issue and a very fine line. Sometimes there are people who are just out to deceive others. There are people out to just make a fool of others. And there are sometimes very genuine cases. How does a person draw the line? This is a very, very delicate thing. And on the one hand, supposing somebody there's a confirmed situation or it's genuine that this person has got a bad habit and is going around begging from people to feed his habit. He's involved in drugs, he's involved in some other evils and now he's going to take money from people and go and start spending it in these things. Then to give such a person that help is to help him do wrong. That One should avoid that. But at the same time there are others who are genuine. So where it is not clear, then it is fine to err on the side of caution. That well, Allah knows best, I don't know for sure what the position. Rather I, now, fine if I'm not sure, I'll give a little bit, maybe some small amount. But I haven't rejected the person. Might be a small amount, but in principle I didn't reject the person. And if I'm sure that no, there's some underhand problems here, then fine. In a nice way, I'll decline. But the lesson in all this is that when this opportunity came knocking at the door of this person who was a fire worshipper, he embraced this opportunity with both hands. He took this opportunity and that became the means of his iman. That became the means of him getting such great position and status in one moment. He became a mu'min and he already gained this great proximity and closeness to Rasulullah but this is the lesson that we need to take, that we are all the time also presented with these opportunities. But these opportunities come in different forms. It's not always that somebody is going to come begging and that is going to be the opportunity. A lot of people come begging, but it's not every person that's an opportunity of that caliber, of that nature. Otherwise, anybody who's asking something, somebody has parted with a few coins, has given some sadaqah, he'll get rewarded for that. But there are some special opportunities that come out of the blue. Some special opportunities that really take a person very far ahead. But these don't always come and they don't identify themselves. Like one is now something that a person can see, this is, well, copper. And then the other thing, it's showing itself, it's glittering, it's gold, you can see the gold. A person says, well, copper, fine, copper has also got its value. But there's the gold, I'm going to take the gold. Here the gold will come sometimes disguised like the copper. The gold will come sometimes looking like from outside that it is just a stone. 
but there's gold in there. Meaning the opportunity will come in a way where a person won't be able to really identify it from the surface, from the outside. That this, if I really latch onto the right thing here, my work is done. So these opportunities come in different forms. Sometimes it will be maybe in the way we have mentioned now. Sometimes it will be that moment of acceptance of the person that desire came in the heart that I should go and make some tilawat of the Quran Sharif now. Or somebody is encouraging her that why don't you make some nafil salah now or make some tasbih. And now that was an opportunity. Somebody encouraged. And that moment was such a moment. Now Allah Ta'ala inspired that person to encourage you. And that was a moment of ijabat, a moment of qabuliyat, acceptance. Because in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Inna lillahi ta'ala nafahatun fil ardi. Nafahatun fil ard, fata'arradu laha. That they are the special rays of mercy that come from Allah Ta'ala's side from time to time. So special rays of mercy come from time to time. So therefore, present yourself to take it. It's not going to just come and fall in your lap. You are going to have to stand up to take it. Meaning you have to do something. Now in that special moment of Qabuliyad, somebody raised their hands in dua, somebody engaged in salah, somebody was involved in tilawad, somebody was busy making some tasbihat, some zikr. Now that became the moment of acceptance and that got a person's work done. Now sometimes the opportunity comes knocking in that form. They said, one voice in the heart, why don't you go and read your salah now? Why don't you go make some tilawat? Or somebody else is encouraging you. Somebody is saying something that positively is trying to move you forward. That is a time to now really latch on. But we let it go. Sometimes that opportunity comes in the form of a situation. For example, the situation is that there's an occasion that is going to now require some mujahada. The mujahada is often in the manner of making mujahada against the nafs. There's a strong temptation. And that particular moment in time, that temptation has come in such a moment where the person made a mujahada that became accepted. Such a mujahada that now gained the person very special connection and proximity with Allah Ta'ala. There are many times these kind of incidents have happened. People have had a very challenging situation. Really challenging. And they made sabr. They made the mujahada. Now, the real thing is, or the real reward is, in the akhirat, that is the place where the real reward will be where the total pleasure of Allah Ta'ala will be granted to one in Jannah, that is the real reward, meaning that the crux of it all, the height of it. But even in dunya, Allah Ta'ala rewards a person in various ways. But sometimes it is very, very glaring, apparent, dramatic. It's not always that it will happen so glaringly. But it happens in dunya also. The barakat that comes, the various other Bounties of Allah Ta'ala Chawa in various ways, but sometimes it's very glaring, very apparent that this kind of situation has happened, that a person now was in the midst of a situation where the opportunities were all there to commit some haram. 
and apparently get away with it also. And the temptation was very strong. The temptation was now overwhelming. And a person was really now under this pressure of nafs and shaitan. Now one is that a person has to plan and plot and duck and dive and then try to go and do something wrong. Now there were situations where people were in the midst of a situation where apparently there was no obstacle. And they wouldn't get caught. This was apparently the situation. Outwardly. This is a deception of shaitan obviously. But at that moment the person plucked up the courage and said La hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al azim and made amal on fafirru ilallah that flee towards Allah Ta'ala and the person literally ran out from this place of fitna or where the person was being now trapped into fitna and now he took a lot of courage person felt like his heart is going to break whatever it was but he took up the courage and he ran out of there now outwardly there was everything to his favor in committing the haram. Meaning everything was all just as somebody might have wanted it to be. But he did not succumb. He did not give in. Now, this person made that mujahada. Now this was an opportunity. It was a test. It was an opportunity to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. He did it. Such people, several occasions of this nature, a person did that and the very same night, he got ziyarat of Rasulullah sallallahu in a dream. The very same night, he was given glad tidings of so many things. Now, while his heart was outwardly with the influence of shaitan, in that tug of war and broken, Nauzubillah, shaitan puts this kind of thoughts that I lost out, Nauzubillah. Whereas that was not lost out, that was gained. But now in some situations, because that mujahada was so strong, Allah Ta'ala gave the immediate rewards of it, or made the rewards apparent. Now the person got the ziyarat, and he felt so consoled, and so much at peace, and so much at ease, and now he says that even if I had to give the whole world away for this, that was a cheap bargain, I, will, I can never ever appreciate this enough, or make enough shukr for it. And I can never ever put a price to whatever Allah has blessed me now. But now when that came, that he grabbed that opportunity. That was the situation he was in. But that situation was an opportunity. And he grabbed that opportunity, he made it. In moments now, from where to where he's gone. So likewise, these opportunities come in different forms. And Especially now the type, the time of the year that we are approaching. When all these kind of now fitna start getting into high gear. The so-called holiday period is now already knocking on the door. And people will start discussing the kind of holidays they will be going for, and where they will be going, and what they will be doing. And we know very well, we know very well that this time of the year that is coming is a time when fitnas start abounding. People who are very conscious of deen sometimes for the whole year, come the December period, suddenly it's like holiday from deen also. Now, somebody will say that it's not even the end of October yet, and we're talking about December. 
because we have to start preparing our heart and mind in a way that we get saved from all these fitnas that come. We don't just fall in the trap of nafs and shaitan. So now shaitan and nafs will create those situations where from every direction there will be this pressure. Sometimes the pressure will be from our own near and dear ones. Everybody is going on a picnic. But to have a picnic is not a problem in itself. Provided the environment is right, provided that the laws of Shariat are not being flouted, especially, especially in these kind of situations, the laws of Parda. Now everybody becomes one big family, all the cousins by the dozens, and the sister-in-law and that brother-in-law and in-law and out-law and whatever Murphy's law and all the laws. Everything all starts coming into, everything is one big family, and then fitnas abound. Now, you'll get even, these are things that sound very, very uh, outrageous, it sounds ridiculous, but these are realities, unfortunately, that how people's minds work sometimes. One youngster was living far away, somewhere, so he started deciding to make a change in his life, she was given some advice, and especially with regards to intermingling with cousins and so on, non-maharams, anybody, whether it's cousins, whoever, is all out of the question, it's not permissible. So any case now, he went back home after some time. And now when he went home, so now it was some family function. So his cousins now, who previously he used to conduct himself differently with them, now they came, they are all in the teens, so now they are coming like one big family, so now they are going to be meeting him, so they want to come and hug him. So he said very clearly, sorry, this is out of the question, I am not going to be intermingling with anybody, and this is not permissible. So now, of all people, his own mother says to him, that... What's the problem with this? You don't have any intention to get married to them, so it's fine. Now this is such a difficult thing to even relate, but we have to spell this out, that sometimes in what a ridiculous way we think. Now look at this reasoning, Shaitan's reasoning, which Shaitan is whispering in the heart of this person's mother now. His own mother is saying to him, he is in his teens also, and now these cousins are in their teens, and now they're coming to greet him in this way, and because this was the norm. So now his mother is saying to him, this is not a problem, because you don't intend getting married to them. Now let us analyze this, this reasoning, that it means that as long as you don't have the intention to marry somebody, then you can now embrace them, whatever, can be somebody walking on the street, can be some whoever, whoever. Now, what is Shaitani statement this is, how ridiculous it is, how foolish it is, but it is being made. That statement is being made to encourage one's own son to be hugging his cousins who are already of age also and whatever else and feel that no, everything is fine. Now this is how Shaitan traps people into fitnas. How ridiculous this is. But this ridiculous situation is Reality, unfortunately, tragically. So this kind of time is coming, and it requires. This is 
on the one side a big test, a big challenge. But the challenge comes as an opportunity also. The challenge a person gets caught up in the trap of shaitan and that lost person lost. But the person just requires to be a little bit firm. Little bit firm, obviously steadfast and a little firm. Firm in the sense that with respect, from now to make it known to one's parents, one's family, because this is where often the pressure comes from. Are you getting too outdated now? Are you getting too, you being flying high in the sky now? You must be close to reality, you must be on earth. You mustn't now fly too high. And all kinds of comments. So now up front, you need to, in a nice way, without compromising respect, in a clear way that, look, I won't be able to be part of this. Going and sitting in some restaurant, everybody all intermingled, whatever else. Please, I, I, I will stay at home. I can't become part of this. You know, but how are you carrying on like this and that and the other? Don't argue with anybody. Don't fight with anybody. Don't make any kind of disrespectful statements. Don't tell anybody, yeah, you're all jahannamis now. I'm the only one going to jannat and I'll wake up to you all from there. But I can't come join you all. Don't make any judgments on anybody. We don't know what our end result is. If we are staying away from something that is wrong, that's Allah Ta'ala's fazal. We make dua for others, we stay steadfast but. But in a nice way, without compromising respect, all we just keep saying that, look, I have been taught that this is wrong. Allah Ta'ala is displeased with this. I can't do it. I will not be able to be part of it. And we remain steadfast. Many a times, people were put under pressure, but they remained steadfast. Everybody else then turned the different direction and they made things conform to what this person would be doing correctly. So now they changed the whole situation, the whole arrangement. They made the whole thing conform to the requirements of Sharia. So the venue was changed, the manner in things, the way the function was held was changed, the parda was maintained, the intermingling was removed, the elders in the family were forced to do the right thing, whether they at that moment did it happily or grudgingly, but they did it. Because somebody stayed firm and that person got the reward of changing an entire family. And initially there were a little bit of some comments, people were a little grumpy, people were a little bit saying things, whatever. But after a while, they themselves started making positive comments and appreciated what happened. So the lesson today is to remain steadfast. The lesson is that this is coming as an opportunity. We need to make the best of this opportunity, though this opportunity comes for those who are ready to make some mujahada. For those who are ready to say, fine, others may be doing something, I may not be part of that. It may seem that I'm losing out, but I'm not losing out, I'm gaining tremendously. I'm gaining tremendously because the person who is gaining Allah Ta'ala, he is really gaining. Those who are gaining shaitan, what they have gained? Those who are gaining the pat of shaitan on their back, is that what we want also? The shaitan must pat us on our back also, don't worry, you are my friend. So do we want to become the friends of shaitan or the friends of Rahman? Who has blessed us with everything? Rahman or Shaitan? Who's given us our life? Rahman or Shaitan? Who's given us health? Rahman or Shaitan? If Allah Ta'ala just 
make something go haywire in our system, in our body, we can then go around doing what we want to do. How often it happens in moments something just goes haywire. So when Rahman, Allah Ta'ala is the being that is blessing us with everything, so why should we become the servants of shaitan? And why should we now start getting into, caught up into all these kind of things? We should remain steadfast on deen. Yes, there is some mujahada involved in this, but dunya, there is no way out of mujahada in dunya. It's now our choice whether we make mujahada for the right things, or we get caught up in making the mujahada for the wrong things and get destroyed as a result. That mujahada also becomes a sin, because there is a lot of mujahada in that. People get caught up in illicit things, in illicit relationships. Ask them what kind of unease they live their lives in. Is that not a kind of mujahada? But it's a wasted mujahada. It's a mujahada like, it's a putting oneself in fire of no benefit, only destruction. Deliberately putting oneself in fire and only destruction. Outwardly it seems very glamorous. But ask them. This is, this is a, it's a terrible roller coaster Shaitan puts them on. For one moment they seem to be on high. Then again they are falling like anything. And then now they are in a depression. Then something is not working out. Somebody is now finding out. And it's one disaster to another. And in between Shaitan just creates this deception of some kind of thrill. So in between there is this thrill. Then now the person is thinking everything is going right. Then suddenly the person is just dropped. I am not interested in you anymore. Now this is all Shaitan's plan. Shaitan creates the interest somewhere. Then Shaitan uses so many as just uh, like a bait to catch a whole lot of people. Now one fellow he will be thrilling ten different people. You are the only one for me. He is thrilling ten people. And he is just amusing himself. Now, after some time it becomes apparent that this fellow is just a thriller. Uh, he's playing the game with everybody. Now everyone thought, I am on the moon now. Oh, there isn't anybody in the world like this fellow. And he's saying that he you know, is so impressed by me, that if he is unique, then I must be super unique. Now suddenly she realized that she was just being treated like, it might sound crude, but we need to understand it in this way. She was just being treated like toilet paper. This is the reality. And this is happening all the time. Youngsters come themselves now when something now hurts their conscience and they realize that what they are doing is wrong and they now have to turn their lives around, they have to repent. Then in that process they themselves speak about what, what they were up to and how many people they were making fools of and how many people they were just, they brought them to a high and they dropped them in such a way that now that girl is sitting depressed. This fellow's life is carrying on now. He's gone. He's moved ahead. And she's now depressed and broken hearted and whatever else. And often all these things start off in this fitna period. In this fitna period because everybody now wants to amuse themselves. Everybody wants to just have some fun, amuse themselves. And they use people like toilet paper. They just use people like toilet paper and then they finish, flush them down and gone. So we need to be very careful, we need to understand that this is the time of fitna. We can't afford to be casual and lax and don't be alert, don't be conscious. We have to be very careful, be 
conscious of Allah wa ta'ala, be conscious of death, and then also be conscious that this dunya is a passing phase, and opportunities will come knocking at our door, we have to latch onto this, grab it with both hands, and in that moment we don't know from where to where we'll get taken. How high and how great and how close to Allah Ta'ala we become. So, this is the time to now focus our minds correctly, to start making dua from now. Ya Allah, this time is a very great challenge. Ya Allah, you protect me, you safeguard me. Ya Allah, you save me from all the fitnas. Ya Allah, you save me from all the situations that people become the agents of shaitan and trap people into this fitnas and fasad and all kinds of things. Ya Allah, you save me, you protect my iman, protect my amal, protect my haya, protect my deen in every respect and protect my izzat in dunya and akhirat. So we should be making this dua, encouraging one another in the same way. Don't worry, you will be, remain steadfast, don't get caught up in the pressures of people. Turn to Allah Ta'ala, when we will encourage others, we ourselves will get more firm as well. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala bless us all. Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast, save us from all the fitnas. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala grant us the qualities of the true believers and keep us with the iman, take us with the iman and raise us on the day of qiyamah with the iman. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر مستعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله رب العالمين